and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about drain tile management. If you've got questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, or X, I guess I should say, Brian Hefty or Ag PhD Media. All right, so we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag here in just a little bit. Can get a, been, we've been getting lots of great questions in already today. But uh, before I do, or before we do, I wanted to say with this whole tiling thing, it's just very misunderstood. And so I, I, I just want to throw a couple of things out to you to begin with. First of all, it's been a dry year in a lot of areas. And so, yes, tile isn't going to help you as much in a dry year. Although, early on in the season, if you were wet, if you kept the water table down, that means deeper roots early. So even in the drought year of 2012, for example, our best yields were right on or over or near our tile lines because we had deeper roots there. So it still can be really important in the drought years. But here's where I wanted to go with the drought thing. Um, This year, that's the best time to put in drain tile because (laughs) there may be some water running out when you put the tile in now, but when it's not a wet year, you know, your odds are a lot less. And what people get all worked up about is the initial flush. When you first put the tile in and then water's coming out after that, it's really no big deal. In fact, here's, here's... Point number one that I want you to always think about, because people a lot of times will say, you're going to flood me out downstream. And I'm like, you're nuts. I I mean, I hate to say this to you, but I'm going to give you less water downstream long term. Here's why. Every time you put tile in, your goal is to raise what? Higher or lower yields? Higher, of course. Okay. On our own farm, I can give you plenty of examples where we're raising literally 100 bushel corn, maybe 150. Now we're raising 250 plus. If I have 250 bushel corn versus 100 bushel corn, which one takes more moisture out of the soil? And how much moisture do you think it takes extra out of the soil? I would argue strongly that a 250 bushel corn crop is going to take more than double the amount of moisture out of the soil than a 100 bushel corn crop. To me, that just makes common sense. But whether or not it's actually double or 50% higher or even 20% higher, I think we can all agree it's higher when you have higher yields. has to be. Okay, so if I'm going to pull more water out of the ground, how much does that leave then to go downstream? Less. There's less, period. So that's the first point. So just common sense is going to tell you if you put tile in the ground, long term, you're going to have less water leaving your field, not more. The other thing that I want you to do, and I really encourage you to do this, seriously, this will take you only a few minutes to read, but just do a, an internet search for environmental benefits of tile drainage. It's by Heather Frazier and Ron Fleming. It's a summary of 86 different studies, mostly university studies, over the last 100 years, just talking about all the environmental benefits of tile drainage when it is done correctly. It's fantastic for the environment. It's fantastic for your neighbors upstream or downstream. It's great for your crop. It's great for local income. Great for your tax base great for the sale of your property. When you do it right, there are lots of environmental benefits. So again, read, please read Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. 
notes by Heather Frazier and Ron Fleming. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! Okay, our first question is about tiling, and it is from Gary up in Saskatchewan. So we've talked to Gary many times over the years about some of his fields, high cation exchange capacity, high magnesium, high sodium, high sulfur, high salts. So basically, I mean, it's all the classic symptoms of a poorly drained field. And anyway, he says he put some tile in in 2018 at 20-foot spacing. And as you can see, the crop is fine, only directly over the top of the tile. What would you do with this? So, I, I mean, it's really hard to tell, first of all, from the picture that he sent, um, exactly what's going on, where it's going on, and everything else. But I'll say this. In Saskatchewan, it's colder than where we farm, and it's probably drier in most years than where we farm. And it takes long enough for some of these things to, let's say, work their way out. So I, I guess, first of all, I'm encouraged that things are better where the tie lines are. So that's great. So we're off to a good start. But when we start talking about high cation exchange capacity, magnesium, sodium, sulfur, and salts, those things don't just disappear overnight. Even if you had lots of rainfall and let's say eight or 10 or 12 months of non-frozen ground. But when your ground is frozen for six months out of the year, you're up against it a little bit. I mean, our ground's frozen a lot of times for four or five months out of the year. And then you just don't get a lot of rain to flush those things through. So it's going to take longer. And this is the big thing that we say all the time with heavy soil versus light soil. The changes, any changes you make, it's going to be much slower in the real heavy soils. So Gary, I'm just going to tell you, don't lose hope. Feel good that at least where you've done this, it's been good. But this is also just kind of something that I think we need to talk about more as an industry, that we have to really pay attention to soil tests on heavy ground because if we don't kind of get ahead of things, stay up with things, and they get to the point where our salt levels get real high or our sodium gets real high, it's going to take a long time to reclaim that land. But yeah, I, I do think over time it's going to be good. How long is it going to take? That's a good question. And to think that we'd have to go tighter than 20-foot spacings, I, I mean, that's that's as far as I would go. That really is. So I just think over time it's going to get better. We just have to give it a little bit more time. Is it ever going to be perfect? It, maybe not in our lifetimes, but sooner or later, I do think things are absolutely going to continue to get better in, in your field. So what would I do with this? Um, I, I guess, first of all, I would say, send us your soil test. We can take a look at it again in the, in the tiled fields and maybe soil test right above the tile lines and soil test in between the tile lines. Let's, let's compare the two and let's see what we think is going on in the field so far. Thanks for the email, Gary, we appreciate it. Well, stay tuned, we'll talk drain tile right after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
Now is your chance to refuel your farm equipment for free. Register today at fuel.clos.com for your chance to win $10,000 in free farm diesel fuel. From our high-capacity harvesting equipment to our high-horsepower tractors, Kloss is known for superior performance and exceptional fuel efficiency. So go to fuel.clos.com, then check out the advanced equipment at your local Kloss dealer. That's fuel.clas.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. When nematode pressure mounts, Seed Applied Trunemco provides assurance. Growers using Trunemco are seeing a difference from early plant vigor to improved soybean and cotton yield. Impressive results are everywhere, and we want to hear about yours. You could win $20,000 and be named a Trunemco Elite Grower. Don't delay. Contest ends October 31st. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. See full rules. Learn more at newfarm.com USST. Back to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking drain tile on the show today. If you'd like to give us a call, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. All right, first on the show today, we've got our friend Tim Kilmer with us. He is with Horsepower Drainage in South Dakota. Tim, how are you today? Very good, Brian. Excellent. All right, so... Talk to us just a little bit about tiling maybe in the last couple of years here where like in South Dakota and kind of in our whole region, we've had drought. So what's the interest been in tiling? How's it been going getting those things done? Most people, you know, I've just tried to encourage them that um, weather patterns will change. They will come back. <laughs> yep. This is a great time for us. We can do things more efficiently at a lower cost. Um, we can get into the spots that would have been potentially much worse, much harder to do. This is a time they can get their determinations done and get them done cleaner. Um, they need they need to get on top of this stuff. They need to get all of their paperwork ready. It's just, you know get all of their all their NRCS paperwork done. And because right now this is a great time to get their approvals because the evidence of water is going to be much less. And the guys that are wise to that have listened. And it, what's great about it is, is when they get those determinations back and they're cleaner, we can get a much better job done for them. And the other thing is the fracturing as the plow goes through the ground is so much nicer. There's less smearing. It's just... It's just a cleaner, better job doing it now. And, yeah, there may not be as big gains, you know, but as soon as the water does come back, and, and we still, I mean, we've had some larger rains that are intermittent. You know, that tile does have benefit in what you were saying earlier, that even in the drought, the tile pays. People don't, it's maybe not top of mind, but it's it's still there. I, and... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I look at drain tile as a 50-year investment on my farm. Now, 
I don't know if I'm going to be farming 50 more years because I'm 55 years old, but I, I know it's going to be good for the ground for a long time. So yeah, with any of these things, I try not to look at it so much in the short term. It's just like if you buy land and for some reason the crop prices go down that very next year. Well, you're not going to throw your hands up in the air and say, well, that was the dumbest decision I ever made and I should never have bought land. Well, no, you're looking at it as a long-term investment and drain tiles got to be the same thing. And, and I did. I have gotten some more interest in the sub-irrigation tiling, and we did a project out in Corsica, South Dakota. That it's it's their second field we've done for them that drains and irrigates. And with this drier weather, I think that prompted that. Um, and that that is that is super rewarding because yeah, I mean you've got drier weather. You turn it on. You you put the water through it and. And you've got irrigation, and when the wet, wet weather comes, they're going to still have their drainage. But um, that that other product, it, when it, when the wet weather's on, there's not so much interest in that. This drier weather has prompted more interest in the irrigation, which I'm sure as soon as it gets wet, that nobody's going to be thinking about irrigation anymore. But for now, we, we're having interest in irrigation. So. Okay, so with those systems that can do both, I assume you're keeping the tile lines running relatively flat. What happens if you had uh, quite a bit of slope? It doesn't work too well with lots of slope, right? They're contoured on they're on the, yeah. the contour of the ground, yep. and everything's gated, and then we've got water line running congruent with the, the mains that are feeding all the gates, and... Um, you can run all your mains into a reservoir if you want to collect your drainage water and reuse the drainage water, or if you want to use a well. Or we have also, uh, if you get a permit from the state and want to pull off of a river, we have used like rolling baskets and pulled water from the river or a creek for a water source. There's various water sources you can use. But um, the the main thing is is uh, if if you have a water source. It doesn't have to be as much of a water source because we don't have the evaporation. Yeah. All right. Well, again, we've been talking with Tim Kilmer. He's with Horsepower Drainage in South Dakota. Tim, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet. All right. Let's go next over to Minnesota. Get Kevin Kevin Lippert on with us. He's with Lippert Tile Plow. Hey, Kevin, how are things going for you today? It's going. All right. So I assume with the this fall looking like an early harvest you're able to get into some of these fields or will be able to get into some of these fields um pretty soon right now we're tiling today are you are you doing it behind silage or or a wheat crop or peas peas yeah 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 there are quite a few early crops over there in minnesota all right so Anything, let's say in the last couple of years, that you've learned that's been maybe a little bit new or different, or you decided, oh, you know, I, I kind of like this way of how we lay things out, or just anything about your process that you do that might be at all different from how you used to do it five or ten years ago? Well, one of them is uh, when we first started, a lot of guys, you know, they didn't want to tile to the top of the hill. They just tiled to the bottom. <laughs> Me included. But yep. They 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 learned quickly the next couple wet years, and they got stuck on top of the hill and yep. the side hills. Yep. So it's just it's been a push of mine. Just if they're gonna tile, you just tile it end to end. Be done with it. Yeah. Yep. You know, and 
I don't, I don't, I'm not a proponent of spaghetti tiling, I guess, you know, here and there, but uh, it's just better to go end to end with it. Yeah, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. So that was one of the things that my dad talked to us about originally. And I'm like, well, look, I got so much stuff to do. I'm just going to do the low stuff and we'll forget about it for now. And yeah, it didn't take very long to figure out side hills, even all the way up into the hilltops is a big deal. The other thing he always talked to us about is he said, if you can afford it, upsize your tile lines. So is that something you talk to guys about too, just to make sure you have capacity in the future if there there's more if there are more people hooking into you or if there's more rainfall or whatever? Oh yeah, that's definitely a concern with guys that you know are going to pattern tile you know sections out and stuff like that. How big it is, you know, how big the mains are, you know, and the sub mains to what the plug into it. So. All right, you said you uh, but, said. You said you're doing tiling right now today. I assume the the ground's pretty dry, and so you're able to go pretty good and get a lot of stuff done, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's no, it's it's pretty dry. We plowed uh, two thousand feet of eight inch, and it was ran ran running about fifty inches deep. It's been in the ground for a few few days, and it's there isn't any water. <laughs> So, it, is, it is pretty dry compared to what the spring was. The spring was wet. You know, the tile lines are running. It's, I mean, it's it's dried out. Yeah. Yep. But the thing I was mentioning earlier in the show, like in 2012, when we did have moisture real early in the spring, and then it totally dried out, super hot, everything else, our yields were actually still best over the tile lines or right near the tile lines because our roots got deeper. So is that something that oh, yeah. farmers talk to you about as well? Well, it's, that's what I, I, I tell them. It's a proponent of, you know, in this area, I don't like breaking 60 feet on tile lines. You know, they run four or five inch. I don't like breaking 60 feet. And even though it's dry, there's the other thing you don't, that people don't realize is it gives, it gives an avenue for oxygen. Right. And the oxygen is really is what is helping the crop, you know, and in the tile lines, you know, that cool damp air that's still in the towel lines they everything looks for it you know so hey last question that i got for you how long do you expect tile lines are going to last after you put them in the ground what do you usually talk to guys about like hey this should be good for 20 years 30 years 50 years what is it usually well i assume it's uh you know just going by one of my vendors they, they say their towel's good for 100 years <laughs> you know yep but i mean there's cases too that if you do put it in, you know, some guys don't, you know, they cheapen up and they don't want to, uh, you know, put a deeper main in or something like that. And I've had, you know, they said, ah, oh, three feet's good enough. It'll be all right. Or, you know, they'll get two feet of cover on it. Yeah. Well, the one year they put trigger beats on the beat trucks run, then it crushes it. Yep. Yep. You know, so there's always, there's always some fixing going on, but yeah. You know, Got to kind of think know, long-term. You know, well, you know, if you can get the tile in that you know deep enough. Yeah, that's a big key. All right, well, we've been talking with Kevin Lippert with Lippert Tile Plow. Kevin, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. 
Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new battalion amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Effortlessly manage your farm fertility with Verify. Verify takes yield data directly from your combine and instantly generates variable rate fertility maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether it's building soil, balancing nutrition, or maintaining fertility. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Join Verify today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings. Experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids. Extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio and talking about drain tile today. If you've got a question, just give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD, or email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, next on the show, we have Charlie Schaefer with us. He is from down in Iowa with AgriDrain and also with the Ag Drainage Management Council. Charlie, thanks for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Uh, what kind of words would you like to get out to people today, especially when we start talking about uh, with the Ag Drainage Management Coalition? Um, what um, what do people need to know about tile that maybe they are uh, not aware of or misinformed of? Well, Brian, thanks very much for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to jump on the show with you. You guys uh, you do a great job of spreading information throughout the country here. Thanks. Drain tiles are a big deal as far as we're concerned, and, and there's a lot of land out here we couldn't even farm if we didn't have it drained, or we wouldn't get much for yields anyway. But maybe the one thing that people don't realize is that drain tile can be really beneficial uh, when you get an early start when you wind up with a dry year. 
so uh, it can help those crops root down deeper and access that subsoil moisture. Yeah, we've been talking about that a little bit today, and I just mentioned that back in 2012, that was supposedly our worst drought year since 1937. Our best yields were right over the tile lines, and it was all because we had air in the soil, we got roots down deep early on, and we need deep roots if we're going to have success in those dry years. Well, that sure is true. And and the, the healthier our soil becomes, the more infiltration we get. So we need to manage those situations a little differently differently than we have in the past as well. Uh, you know, we find that the the drainage itself is extremely beneficial for yield and, and soil stability, but also we can couple up drainage water management to those systems and hold some water back uh, during the growing season to save water and nutrients. That can be a really big deal, especially a year like this with some soils that, that increase infiltration and can move that water out more quickly than, than normal soils have in the past. So it's really critical to be able to manage the water levels and flow rates. Okay, so what do you have maybe as a couple of tips on that? In, I mean, because there are a lot of farmers out there who just have tile. They don't have any type of structures like that that you're talking about to hold water back. No, very true. Uh, a lot of people, are, of course, in the past have focused on just getting rid of excess water, but as we yep. see, our, our our weather patterns change a little bit here in the Midwest, and, and even the center of the Corn Belt moving northwest significant distances. Uh, people are starting to think about how they can conserve those resources and actually think about that water as an asset and the nutrients that are in it. Of course, we got a lot of funding for water quality practices, and one of those water quality practices is drainage water management. So. Uh, not only can you can you benefit yield wise, it'll cost you very little or actually nothing if you want to sign up and participate in USDA and NRCS programs and some departments of ag and watershed groups. Yeah, and we find that especially helpful with the deeper tile lines. I mean, we've got a couple of tile lines real deep, and that's, boy, that is so beneficial. Because I only need maybe my top two to possibly three feet well-drained. And, you know, sometimes, like in the spring, it's great to have a little extra capacity if you get a little deeper tile line. But, boy, in the middle of the summer, there's no point in having the water table down six feet deep. No, that's right. And, of course, we all know that as, as we install our tile a little deeper than normal or at traditional depths, we can spread out those spacings and and reduce our cost per acre of the installation. Yep, yep, good points. Any last things you want to leave our our listeners with today, Charlie? No, I just think don't overlook the option to be able to manage these systems as you're installing new new systems or upgrading the existing stuff. Think about the benefits of drainage water management, the ability to to hold water and nutrients back for the benefit of the crop and water quality. All right, good comments. Again, that's Charlie Schaefer. He's with AgriDrain and the Ag Drainage Management Coalition. Thanks for the time today, Charlie. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, let's go next out to Chad in Illinois. He's calling in, uh, just wants to talk tiling with us a little bit. Chad, how's it going today? Good. How are you? Excellent. Good. I just, I guess I just wanted to add you know what the other guys are talking about we've had a pretty good drought here for most of our growing season and yep want to make sure guys you know don't forget about tiling just because it's dry now uh we're in a fairly wet area for you know groundwater when it's when it does rain and i guess the other thing i'd like to touch on is tiling the hillsides that's what we see more of now everybody had to stop it at the bottom and Next thing you know, we're back there next year tiling the top. 
Yep. Uh, yep. I wanted to focus on that, you know. Yeah. No. I, I heard a pre- couple of previous guys talking about that, and it was, you know, I think that's a lot, big importance in this to getting every bang for your buck on this tiling, you know. Yeah, I agree 100%. I just think about our like our own farm when we were just tiling the bottoms initially, and then our guys started getting stuck in the side hills. And I just remember the first time I got a call on that. This is almost 20 years ago. And I'm like, you didn't get stuck in the side hill. Come on. And I go out to the field, and sure enough, he did. I'm like, oh, man. that's And, you know, I have nobody else to blame but myself because I'm the one who said, hey, let's stop here, cut our costs down. But, you know, economics have changed a little bit, too, because I think back 20 years ago, um, we didn't have a whole lot of money for anything extra. And the last few years have been a little better on the farm. So that's been good. So we, we want to invest, make our ground sure. better and everything. Yeah. And I guess the other thing I'd like to touch on is we do a lot of uh, ditch maintenance and uh, work like that. And biggest thing, you know, you go in, you clean these ditches out and try to keep the maintenance up after we're gone and it looks nice, try to keep it up, you know, and keep the tile outlets up and uh, keep trees out, uh, keep stuff open, you know, to keep the water moving. Yeah, I'll I'll put it this way. I think, because we have some ditches on our farm, we have a lot of tile. In my opinion, it's Mm -hmm. way more work to keep those ditches up than what we've ever had Mm -hmm. to do with the tile lines. So a lot of people want to have ditches and that's fine. But I, I guess personally, I'd rather have more tile lines going through my field. I have a lot less erosion and a lot less maintenance cost. Correct. Absolutely. All right. And the other thing uh, with the dry weather and whatnot on the drought tile, we found, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 bushel increase on yield checks over tile lines. Yeah, so where you've in had drought, tile, even in a drought year, you're yes. still gaining 10 to 20 bushels. No, I'm with you. Yep. We, we found the exact same thing. Because some guys will say, oh, it's it, it's going to hurt you in a drought year. And I'm like, that's just not what we've seen. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chad, uh, thanks okay. for calling in today. Thank Appreciate you. it. You bet. Good talking yeah, to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. All right, let's go next out to our friend John in Maryland. Hey, John, what you got for us today? Good afternoon. How are you doing? Great. So I was listening to your show on Friday about hemp dog bait. And you were talking about to a guy about killing that with Roundup and having to kill that with Roundup. Yep. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Hemp dog bait. Yep. I kind of ran into a similar situation with Star of Bethlehem, this other weed. I don't know if you heard of that one. Yep. Sure have. So I talked to my agronomist or some people and they were basically saying you can either mechanically keep killing it or you can hit it with paraquat multiple times, exhaust the root kind of thing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to hit that with Roundup and 2,4-D and weaken the plant, and then I'm going to hit it with paraquat because I know Roundup and 2,4-D won't kill it, but if I can weaken that plant and exhaust that root, then I can burn it off, and it worked. It worked on like 99, like 90% work right so sure. basically what i'm doing is i'm putting this this systemic chemical into the root zone and then burning it off and so that way when the when the root decides to grow back it doesn't have that infrastructure still alive to create sugars to feed the root so rather than just keep hitting it with paraquat and exhaust it you systemically uh, attack the root 
So I've been fighting this thing called water hemp. I don't know if you ever heard of that. <laughs> um, it's just bad thing. And so we've been running uh, some ingenia beans and and everything. And I've just been looking at it. And I don't know much about liberty or how all that works. But how do the systemics work with liberty? I know like Paraquat's a burner and Liberty's a burner and Sharpen's a burner. And they got these Liberty Link beans out now. And I don't know how long it takes for a plant to shut down once you use it. Sure. Okay. Um, I'll, 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 yep. I'll, I'll tell you what, John. You got a lot of questions there. <laughs> Let, we got to take a quick break here. We'll come right back okay. and I'll answer all those. Stay tuned. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y when it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitech fungicide. <laughs> and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitech. <laughs> and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitech. And this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitech fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel bin full of corn, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 1,000 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051.
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Right before the break, we were talking with John from Maryland, and he brought up several things there. So I want to address uh, just a couple of things that, that he had mentioned. First of all, Star of Bethlehem. That is a perennial weed. Looks kind of like uh, wild onion, or I should say wild garlic. Uh, well, even wild onion, too, I guess. And the, the, the challenge with it is, number one, it's perennial. But on top of that, it's got a real waxy leaf. And so a lot of times people will say Roundup won't kill it. Um, I don't believe that's true. You just have to use way less water. The biggest problem that, in my opinion, a lot of people run into when they're trying to kill cattails and weeds like Star of Bethlehem is they're using so much water that the, the product just runs off the leaf. And what's left is a very diluted droplet and you don't get a lethal dose into that plant. So personally, if it's me and I'm going after a perennial, uh, then I'm going strong rate Roundup. And if I've got something that has that super waxy leaf, I'm running a very low rate of water and it, and your, your glyphosate will work dramatically better. The challenge whenever you put something like 2,4-D, which is a quick burner, in with Roundup that works very slowly is the 2,4-D will shut the plant down often within hours and the Roundup doesn't get the opportunity to move all the way down through the root system of whatever perennial weed you're after. So that that's the real challenge with that. So he, he just mentioned like with Liberty and Ingenia and, you know, some other products, how quick they work and all that kind of thing. Um, usually most of the herbicides that we are dealing with do work fairly quickly, but Roundup is a slow one. So when I'm looking at Liberty, Ingenia, which is dicamba, uh, 2,4-D, and, and many of those other burner-type products, uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident that within a few hours, they've done about what they're going to do to that plant. So that's great. Uh, in terms of weakening a plant and then having it go into uh, be, hopefully eventually dying, we're in a little different spot than, than John would be in Maryland because we have five months of winter and three months of super crazy hard unbelievable winter that you don't ever want to be a part of. <laughs> so my point is we like trying to kill some of these really tough weeds or at least ding them up before winter and then hopefully winter finishes them off. So that's a big advantage we have to our part of the country. We need some of those advantages because it's a tough place to live sometime. John, what other questions do you have? Yeah, I, you were saying 2,4-D is a, is a burner. Yep. I, I thought... I thought it was a growth inhibitor. Okay, so it is a burner, but what okay. what and it's not a growth inhibitor, it's actually a growth promotant. And so that's why it's kind of a oh. burner. It what it tries to do, both dicamba and 2,4-D is grow the plant to death. So they're trying to accelerate growth so fast that the plant can't handle it and it dies. It's a growth hormone. That's what I always thought it was. Yep. I mean, somebody said it was a growth inhibitor. No. Anyway, nope. So, yeah, okay. So I guess the, the question I'm asking is with Liberty. So I've heard that you can run Roundup and and other systemic chemicals with Liberty because even though – it does it work like Paraquat? Does it destroy the cell walls like Paraquat where it just goes in there and just destroys everything? How does Liberty work? It, it's going to work a lot more like that than it, than it is Roundup. So it's still going to move in the plant somewhat, Liberty is, but it doesn't move nearly as well as something like Roundup. 
uh, or even dicamba from growing point to growing point. So spray coverage is more important with Liberty, Bassagran, or Gramoxone, like the Paraquat you mentioned. Uh, it, it's much more like that than the other products. So, yeah, again, any any of the ones that are, are coverage, uh, you, you've got to think about making sure you have enough water, the right spray tip, everything else. But, you know, some yeah, people will throw Roundup in. Let's put it this way. My advice to people all the time is why would you throw Roundup in with Liberty? The only reason I can ever think of is, is if you say Liberty is weak on a particular weed, and the only weed I see that you're, or weeds I see that Roundup's really going to help you much on would be grass. I, I don't see it helping on a whole lot of other things because the Liberty's probably going to shut that plant down before the Roundup works super well. So I'm not a big fan of putting Roundup together with Liberty, but some people do it. Hmm. Now, is, uh, will, will water hemp kill? I mean, will will Liberty just Liberty kill water hemp? Yes, it will. It yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The key is okay. you want to spray it when the the water hemp is smaller. If the if the water hemp's two to four inches tall, just a normal rate of Liberty will work fine. If you start getting up to six or eight inches. Um, you got to bump up to 43 ounces. That's a full label rate on soybeans. And even then it's going to be pushing it. You got to have the right weather and everything else. Uh, but the challenge is a lot of people are trying to kill foot, foot and a half tall weeds. And I, that's really hard with any herbicide. There's nothing labeled at that point. You're just praying that it'll work out. Hey, John, thanks for yeah, calling I, in today. I Yes, sir. Uh, yep. So, yep. We need to get running, but uh, if you got more questions, uh, I'll 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 just throw you on hold, and, and uh, you can uh, talk to Janelle there quick and relay some more more questions if you got more. Uh, we got to get to our next guest here, Asan uh, Gane, who's from Michigan State University, Extension Specialist of Biosystems and Ag Engineering. We're talking drain tile a little bit, Asan. Uh, so what kind of things, what kind of questions are you getting this year from agronomists and from farmers? Anything in particular about drain tile? Anything out of the ordinary? We are mostly getting compaction questions. Water doesn't infiltrate into the soil. And those are very common questions here where the soil is compacted that was, and water can't infiltrate the soil. And if water can't infiltrate the soil, it can't get to the tile. So no matter the the world's best drainage system is not going to do much in that case. So that's the common question we're getting. I agree with you 100%. We run into a lot of those questions too. And guys are like, why aren't my tile lines working? And you go out there and you can't even get the shovel in the ground. Okay, so what's, what's usually the problem then as far as that compaction going? Or how do you suggest the farmer alleviates that issue of compaction to fix his drainage problem? Well, there's short-term and long-term um, ways to address the issue. The the long term is the best one where you actually have, you promote soil health, yep. better soil health, better soil structure, faster infiltration, that's the long term. A quick fix, fix, depending on how bad it is, is just to till it and break up that compacted layer. Um, subsoiler or we also uh, talk about more plows here too. Um, those are another way to break up the compacted layer and also keep a channel behind for a very uh, inexpensive way of draining the water away. Okay, so you talk about that mole plow. Is that getting to be very popular? Because we sure don't see any of those here where we farm. Yes, 
it used to be um, more common than today. I think 50 years ago in Michigan that sure. you know, people tell me about that. But it has been forgotten, but yep. it's slowly... Um, I've heard more questions about it, at least in Michigan. People asking me, you know, do you know what? Do you know more plows? And that got me into investigating more about it. And I learned that in Europe it's common, Australia, New Zealand, they're using it too. So we've ordered one from Ireland, and we're excited for it to arrive here in Michigan, so we can demonstrate how it works and what are the benefits. How long do you think something that like that might last in a lot of the common soils you would have there in Michigan? If you if you if you plow, have a mole plow and create those channels. Yep. Depending on how good you do the job, the timing, the moisture of the soil. Yeah. Uh, it could be three to five years that you have to re-mole that field. Sure. There are some actually are doing this. I actually talked to a farmer that said he's doing the mole plow on a garden of his, I think 10 acres or so in Michigan, and he was very happy with it. Yeah, uh, that that's kind of interesting. I have talked to guys about the mole plow thing, and usually the people I talk to about it are the ones that can't get NRCS approval on wetlands. And they're like, well, at least I can do this. It's better than nothing. I know it's not as good as tile, but it's another option for me, and I can do it quick and get very quick response. Well, Asan, we got to run. We appreciate having you on the show, though. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Yep. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. Yep. All right, stay tuned. We're going to get back to the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. From mowing to loading or even moving snow, a John Deere compact utility tractor is ready for any task. During the CNB Summer Blowout event going on now, get yours for zero money down and 0% interest for 84 months. This offer won't last forever, so check out your nearest CNB or learn more at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Your farm data platform might let you manage your fertilizer plan by helping you set sample points, determine management zones, or create fertilizer recommendations. With Verify, you can do all that. But what Verify does that no one else can is take yield data straight from your combine, correlate this info to soil test points, and immediately generate variable rate fertilizer maps based on your nutritional goals. Whether you want to build soil levels, balance your field for uniform nutrition, or maintain fertility levels by simply applying what you removed at harvest. And with full integration with John Deere Operations Center, Verify can send recommendations directly to application equipment, no matter the color. Sign up for your Verify account today at Verify.com and keep your farm moving. That's V-R-A-F-Y dot 
Looking for a herbicide as versatile and reliable as your favorite pocket knife? Anthem Flex Herbicide offers the versatility you need to keep your crops clean. Protect your wheat this season with unmatched flexibility and extended residual control of broadleaf weeds and tough grasses, including Italian ryegrass. Minimize resistance and help maximize yields with Anthem Flex Herbicide. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. For listening to Ag PhD Radio, we're going to jump back into the Ag PhD mailbag. Got this one from Ivy from North Dakota, who says, "Hello, I need more info on Roundup Level 15. Uh, it's a chemical used by my local elevator. They use it on my lawn, and I need to know the significance of this chemical. I have a chemical burn on my face. Um, Ivy, first of all, I've never heard of Roundup Level 15. Uh, second, Roundup. If we're just talking Roundup." That's never going to burn anybody's face. But my advice to you is go to the doctor immediately if there's ever something that's going on with your face. Or, But it, that's not a chemical burn, I can tell you that. Uh, not, not from Roundup. There's no way. Uh, so next question here is from Joe from Indiana. He says, uh, hi, guys. I've got a question for you. about You talk about soil sampling, pastures, and fertilizer usage with micronutrients. So... Uh, I, I grow fescue with some red clover mixed in with it, uh, and on my fields I'm using boron and sulfur. Are there any other micronutrients I need to use in these fields to get the best tonnage? Well, Joe, without looking at your soil tests, that's going to be really hard for me to say. Uh, the main micronutrients we talk about, other than boron that you mentioned, would be copper, zinc, manganese, and iron, and just thinking about overall hay production, I, I can't say that there's any one of those where I go, oh, wow, you have to have this one and in high quantities or you're not going to get good tonnage. We're much more focused on nitrogen especially and then phosphorus and potassium too. So, I mean, I'd still test the field and see what you got. Maybe you need a little bit of zinc. Maybe you need a little bit of copper. But it, it's really hard to know. I'm just guessing without looking at your soil tests. Uh, next one here, uh, I don't have a name on this, but they're asking about uh, using a product called Topfoss in, in the seed row. So I don't even know what crop we're talking about or anything else, and I'm, I'm not familiar with this Topfoss product. But if we're just talking about phosphorus, so let's talk phosphorus specifically in, in the seed furrow. Uh, let's say it's corn. I, I'm fine with a little bit of use. We just always have to be careful about how much salt we're getting near the seed. And so let's talk about three different crops, the three main crops in the United States in terms of acreage. Wheat is more the most tolerant, corn somewhat tolerant, and soybeans uh, not very tolerant at all. In other words, if you put hardly any fertilizer in that furrow in soybeans, you're taking a lot of risk. Whereas on wheat, you know, not so much risk. You can put a little bit out there. I'm not that concerned. And corn is kind of in the middle. 
So yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what we're talking about. If you want to give me some more specifics and how much you were looking at, but my general rule is if we can keep it off the seed, that's great. Any fertilizer, because by very definition, fertilizer is salt. If we can keep it off the seed, that's great. And if we can keep the rates low, that's also great. And whenever you can use a low salt product, uh, that's, that's fantastic. All right. Uh, this one comes in from Wine Farmer who says, here's a topic you guys can discuss. My question is, if I've got a product that has a PHI, so that's pre-harvest interval, of zero, so in other words, I could spray it and then immediately harvest, but the re-entry interval is 48 hours, how do I harvest the crop? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent point. Um, I just say this, when it's mechanical harvesting, then you could obviously go in there with a machine. It's just you can't go in with the re-entry interval. That means for a person to go back in. And when they say 48 hours, you, you as a person shouldn't go back in. But if it's a machine, that's a little bit different deal. But yeah, if we're talking about anything that has to be hand harvested, um, you got to follow the re-entry interval thing, which in effect then means that you're going to have to be spraying whatever pesticide that is as a pre-harvest uh, at a minimum for the length of that re-entry interval. So if it's 48 hours, you'd have to spray 48 hours before harvest. All right, next one comes from Keith. And he had sent us a question about base saturations and calcium and everything. And, and we had asked him to get a more complete test. So he did that. And we got a more complete test, and here's what we found. This is similar to a question we talked about a couple of days on a couple of days ago on the show, where it's a really high calcium field. So his calcium base saturation percentage is 94%. Now, whenever we see 94%, that immediately throws up red flags. And we go, yeah, that's probably not real. So we occasionally talk uh, to and about Neil Kinsey on the show here. Well, Neil Kinsey will tell you right away with his lab, he's always going to say, hey, we got to run a cation displacement test whenever calcium is that crazy. Or whenever, you know, there are several nutrients that he'll have where he'll say, okay, above this level, I'd probably run a cation displacement test. And the reason why is because the numbers aren't real. And here's what I mean by that. One of the great things Midwest Labs has right on their soil test is they, they will test for excess lime. And their excess lime right here, as I assumed, it's high. In other words, there's free calcium just floating out there in the soil. It's not even attached to the soil. So when we start talking about a soil test, the number isn't truly accurate because this isn't really attached to or part of the soil. It's just floating out there in space. So generally speaking, when we see something like that, to me, that almost always signals we have a drainage issue. If you fix the drainage, then over time, irrigation or rainfall will flush the excesses out, especially if you get sulfur with it. So this field is low on sulfur. Unlike the field we were talking about a couple days ago, it was very high on sulfur. So if it's low on sulfur, then over time, we would continue to add some sulfur and flush some of that excess lime out. In the meantime, what we're going to do is we're just going to suggest you look at, number one, fertilizing for all the nutrients you really need to raise a great crop, and two, at least to consider doing some banding. And the reason why I bring up banding is because when you have ridiculously high levels of calcium 
and there's a lot of free calcium just floating out there in the soil, free lime, um, it can tie up many nutrients. So what I'm saying here is you can still go broadcast stuff like a lot of people do, but it's going to take a lot of fertilizer because you're going to see more tie up than the average farmer would in the average field. So we've had this exact same situation on our farm. And I can just tell you uh, in those soils, the banding has been nice because at least in the short term, I don't have to spend a fortune on fertility and I, I still get good response and good uptake for the fertilizer. So here's the thing. Uh, when I look at your soil tests, okay, so first of all, it's 8 pH. Um, your Olsen test is usually the more accurate phosphorus test we look at when the pH is high like that. You're only at 14 or 16, so that's not, not very high at all for phosphorus. Your potassium levels aren't bad. You're 350 to 400 parts per million, but because there's so much calcium in the soil, your base saturation K is a little bit on the low side. You're at 2, 2.3%. Now, again, I don't think your calcium number reflected in the soil test is fully real. I think, uh, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about the amount of K you have in the soil. I still wouldn't mind adding a little bit more. But the other thing that I look at here is your magnesium is really, really, really low. A lot of times what we want as a bare minimum is for the magnesium parts per million to be equal to the potassium parts per million, and yours are half. And your base saturation magnesium is 3%. So we got to get some magnesium out there. So if it's me, I'm probably thinking about some magnesium sulfate. I'm thinking about getting some phosphorus out there. And then I'm looking at all these different micronutrients, too, that are low. So copper is one part per million or less. Uh, you've got manganese that's pretty low, but I, I'm i not sold on that manganese is low. This is a DTPA test. It may or may not be low. So I don't know if I'd do that for sure, but it's something to think about. Uh, and zinc is definitely low. You're down as low as a half a part per million. So I'd be addressing some of those things. And then I, I want to come back again to what I said about sulfur. When you get sulfur out there, that's you're going to strip away or get rid of some of those excesses in soil. And in your case, the only real excess I see is all this free lime, this free calcium. So in other words, I would consider using something like ammonium sulfate as my nitrogen source. I already mentioned manganese or magnesium sulfate, I should say. And there are other products like copper sulfate, zinc sulfate. I'm using sulfates as much as I can, and hopefully over time things get good. But the first step I'm probably going to take a hard look at is putting some tile in the ground. All right, well... Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show today. Just talked a little bit about drain tile management. Again, I, I really encourage you, please read Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. It's by Heather Frazier and Ron Fleming. It's a summary of about 86 different studies, mostly university studies, done over the last many decades. It just talks an awful lot about the long-term studies and the long-term impact of drain tile. A lot of people think many bad things about tile but when you look at the long-term studies almost everything is really good for the environment and really good for your neighbors all right before we go i just want to say thanks to my sister janelle she was producing the show for us today thanks to you for listening and be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio